Hello and welcome to FuturePod. I'm Peter Hayward. I'm Mindy Yuri. I'm Amanda Reeves. I'm Rebecca Mayett. I'm Rihanna Brown. FuturePod gathers voices from the international field of futures and foresight. Through a series of interviews, the founders of the field and emerging leaders share their stories, tools and experiences. Please visit futurepod.org for further information about this podcast series. Today, the FuturePod team comes together to celebrate our 100th episode. Join us as we look back on the first 100 conversations, look forward to where FuturePod might be going and farewell one of our founding members. So fantastic to hear Rihanna and Amanda and your voices on this podcast. I wonder if you would like to introduce yourselves to the FuturePod community. Thanks, Mindy. So I'm Rihanna. I'm based here in Melbourne. I've been a member of the Foresight community for the past six or so years, I think. I've got a background in strategic workforce planning, org design and development and HR, which I now combine with strategic foresight. It's an interesting combination of skills and education, but it's also perhaps by purposeful design. So foresight and org design and development, I think, work together really well to tie threads between that foresight, insight, action gap. I knew we needed to unlearn the way that we were thinking about the future in my previous role. So we're perpetually stuck in that tyranny of the urgent. But then I kind of got into foresight and saw gaps where we weren't closing that gap between the future's inquiry and then what does this mean for me come Monday. So these kind of ideas of unlearning and relearning the future, foresight, inside action, or the, I like to call it the, the so what, now what, then what has really informed my practice today. At the moment, I run my own consultancy, uh, Work Futures, which is focused on helping organisations navigate the futures of work, but also critically, I think, helping individual workers navigate the futures of work. And that's a conversation that I don't think we, we have much when we're talking about the futures of work. We spend more time, I think, intoxicated by the technologies that will define the future of work than we do the actual experience of the workers inhabiting those futures. So I'm really interested in how we can unfreeze conversations around the futures of work and workers and look beyond those grand narratives, but also how we can uh, help organisations and individuals design transitions between now and then. Um, but of course, I do much more than that. I do other collaborations around speculative futures and futures education and literacy, as well as other general foresight and strategy development processes. So I'm Amanda Reeves. Uh, I had the good fortune to be in the last class run at Swinburne's uh, Masters of Strategic Foresight. And I got to see the best of some of our facilitators as they, they left their final act on the floor. For me, foresight has been such an amazing experience of understanding what facilitated practice can be and what that can look like and how insightful and skillful facilitation can really help different possibilities emerge from very stuck situations. So my background's uh, largely based in healthcare. I've worked in all different aspects of healthcare, in uh, community health, in uh, writing policy, in state government, as well as working as an improvement lead and eventually a change coach in uh, hospitals. And I found that Foresight's been this really beautiful tool for helping us talk about where it is that we're going and what we might find when we get there. 
in a way that often is missed when we're doing change. Yes, lovely. Really lovely. I want to say how excited I am to hear you both too. <laughs> so to have you you both as, well, I often feel old, I have to say. You know, I'm in the last chapter of my employment and to hear the next generation of, you know, smart young people coming through who've really got your careers in front of you to experiment and see where futures thinking can actually take us it just gives me a lot of hope to hear you both so thank you and thank you for joining future pod it's awesome that you're interested in carrying on this um, really important thing that's been started thanks mendy that's very kind and it's uh, really a pleasure to be joining the team Mindy, as our, we're, I feel like we're ships passing in the night at this point. Um, I've had, I've taken a great lot of pleasure in the work that you've contributed to FuturePod, but I understand that there's a new change on the horizon for you. Yes, indeed. Yes, to have been part of FuturePod since its inception with Peter and Beck has been a real privilege in seeing something grow from zilch to something that's become quite precious. It's, you know, I don't have a sense that it's a huge thing, but it's a very valuable thing. And I think well worth continuing the space that's been created to hear experienced voices, but also new voices being contributed to this space. And I'm particularly interested in the voices that can point us to what we need to do on the ground in real life, what do what does futures? How does futures thinking help us in our day to day work lives? And I guess I'm moving on. The current job I have, I found myself back in local government after uh, a bit of a break. I guess being led by what I feel the future is wanting of me, and wanting to understand where my where I feel that my skills can be most beneficial and for me that is in a very practical way back in the community where I sort of started from really and local government is a great opportunity to at least try to apply a lot of the things that I've learned through futures studies. I finished the Masters of Strategic Foresight in 2015 and you know every day I'm grateful for that perspective I suppose even though I'm often frustrated with how it can be directly applied, but I'm sure I'm sure it's there influencing me in the way um, I'm actually the mayor at the moment for this year anyway. Mendy, when you were speaking then, I was really thinking through what does it mean to lead in these messy and kind of transitional times and how has foresight and your learning in that space been a helpful I guess, a helpful kind of starting point through these transitions. Yeah, uh, it is challenging and exciting um, and lots of opportunities to facilitate and lead in a way which, you know, I hope makes a very, at least a very small difference in the, in the end. I'm going to jump in there and just add something about that uh, Mendy's community, that, you know, for the international visitors, they may remember at the, at the start of... Uh, 2020, we had terrible bushfires in um, in Australia. Actually, Mendy's area was one of the most affected areas, and uh, so one of the reasons I think she put her hand up to go back into a leadership role was what had actually happened to our local community. 
indeed. And and it's the bushfires, but it's it's Peter asked me the other day what was different. I've actually done a term stint on local in local government before and Peter asked me what was different and I said, Well the world's actually changed in the last ten to twelve years. You know, it feels a lot more complex. There are a lot of things changing, collapsing, you know, being opportunities for for growth as well and for new innovation as we, you know, decarbon try and decarbonize the economy. But it often, you know, it often comes back to simply relationships. And I also said this to Peter that some days I feel like in the midst of all the chaos that appears to be around, sometimes my Number one KPI is to try and just have an open heart with all that the community is going through, then sometimes I think that's that's the best way to respond or the or the number one way to respond. So Amanda, I'm just really intrigued to to hear who do you think FuturePod needs to hear from next? Thanks, Mindy. As Beck mentioned, the first 100 episodes have included discussions with many of the founders of the field. The pool of potential guests we can draw from has deepened as we shift from in-studio to remote recording. We will continue to talk with well-known names in the future space and provide a platform for emerging practitioners and voices that have been historically excluded or underrepresented in this space. The founders and well-known practitioners in the field have been mostly white, mostly men, and mostly born into colonial cultures. There are many practitioners doing interesting work whose identities and perspectives sit beyond this mould, and we'd like to speak with more of them, women and non-binary folk, people of colour, and Indigenous or First Nations peoples. Ultimately, we're excited to talk with more guests who are taking foresight in interesting directions and expanding our understanding of what foresight is and can be, whether this be through creative expression, colliding foresight practice with other disciplines to create mutant practices, or friends of the field who bring new insights that shape our understanding of our own practice. Speaking of collisions, as we pass 100 episodes, I'm keen to find ways for new insights to emerge from the intersections of these conversations. I'm experimenting with Rome research to see how network knowledge can create new pathways of discovery between episodes and provide a new way for our listeners to follow their own direction of maximal interestingness. Rihanna, what do you think we shouldn't change in FuturePod, what do you believe has to uh, be um, continued? For me, I kind of go back to this sense that some of the most powerful work we can do right now is to constantly create the conditions for things to emerge. So for me, it's having this strong intention in the first place of why we want to bring people together or purposeful kind of relationality. But for me, it's the intention of FuturePod is about constantly creating the conditions for conversations and dialogue and then thereafter kind of insights to emerge. It's nothing specific, I don't think. It's more about that it continues as an intention, as an idea, so we are curating the spaces. It's less, and I think in the last 12 months in my own professional practice, I've really shifted away from needing to know the what or the how or or the content and more about, well, how can I simply create the conditions for things to emerge? And I really see FuturePod as an excellent space for doing just that. So I think, sure, there's capacity to make structural changes, but holding space for these very conversations is is part of its 
benefit and power. Rihanna, because what you're pointing to, I think, is an answer to another question in that how is it that so many of the future pod conversations are so surprising to, and they have been over over the period to me they end up in a different place than i anticipate and i think that's part of creating the space for something new to emerge so is that the sort of quality you're looking to continue i think so and it's also this there's a real subtlety in blow by blow kind of communication where where someone's really just waiting to impose their own position versus a genuine dialogue when you are there and you're sitting and you're deeply listening and there's kind of an exchange and it's additive, you know, you're adding on to what the other person has, I guess, thrown out there. So for me, it's it's the power that comes from a genuine dialogue when you're adding on to the thread from the other participant and how that gets you to points that neither of you would have got to in the end. I think that sense of what does it mean to think with and through and besides rather than to think on? That's a really powerful and enriching way to set up these types of conversations as a dialogue, not as a communication. I have a question. I'm really interested in what threads retrospectively have emerged. So we have the conversations, but what is it that's been kind of a really interesting thread that has emerged in retrospect? I don't think there's an overarching golden thread across the conversations I've I am picking up generational threads I am very much aware that for a lot of the people that we'd regard as um you know the you know the people who've done the early work and uh, the founders of the field so on to speak is for many of them there's a while there's a satisfaction in what they've done there's also a deep sadness there's also a kind of sense of opportunity missed. <laughs> and then, of course, mm. when you speak to people who are early in the journey, there is both a, an optimism that real change is possible. And <laughs> as one of the older generation, it's, uh, it's good to hear, as Mendy said, but it also, it's almost like when we've, you know, when it has been a struggle for, for some of us, it's almost when a person hasn't actually bumped into the struggles. Do you want to mention that to people or do you just want to just say, well, don't, don't worry about it, just get on with it. You mightn't have the same problem. Yeah. And what is it that you've noticed? So I'm just speaking off the cuff here, but so you mentioned in terms of the threads, the, the sense of missed opportunity, what is the flip of that? Um, I mean, there's a sense, I mean, and this is not universal, of course, but I mean, there's a sense, it's been said by some of our guests, that really Foresight's failed for so many things that we have been talking about now for over 50 years as issues that were emerging, even earlier, going back to you know limits to growth. There is a sense to which a lot of people doing a lot of work with a lot of passion and enthusiasm, but in terms of actually influencing decision makers, some would say, we failed as a field. But I don't take that as a kind of it hasn't been worthwhile because at the same time, like all experiences, if, for example, my generation haven't been as successful as they could have been, the next generations can learn from that. Yeah. I think that's part of what 
I feel is really exciting about mm. what's emerging in this space is it's it's shifting away from this sense of how do we influence current decision makers to a space of genuine creation and enactment. And I think that's the fusion of creative practice uh, as well as foresight and what happens when creative artistic practice meets foresight and that work is shifting to kind of, you know, rather than challenging the current bar- paradigm, it's, it's, it's building alternative uh, futures in the present. And I, I just find mm-hmm. this emergence of foresight practice in, in, you know, that intersection of creative practice is so exciting um, and perhaps a helpful iteration based on the times that we now are currently in. I think that's really beautiful and perhaps one of the things um, that's become apparent to me through listening to some of the dialogues and also putting this into practice is not so much a reliance on the techniques of futures but but of actually paying attention to those creative spaces and how they can be built and and nurtured and appreciated as you know, the places where we will understand more and learn more and perhaps even receive a sort of a some sort of an indication of direction to go in 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 the future i think that's really exciting i agree completely that the reaching out to other creative um, and imaginative techniques whether it's formative dance art <laughs> uh, neuropsychology those things just enhance what is still a you know what is a substantial field in its own right, and we are adding more to it. I think you know, one of the threads I would say across the fields is, I mean, we say this is a meta-disciplinary, meta-paradigmatic field. Well, the interviews show how how meta it can be. Yeah, when you hear someone do that, the answer is. Wow, <laughs> why didn't I think of that? It's almost like a sense that I didn't know that was possible, but so many of the people we speak to just simply take it that bit further than we imagined you could take it. I think it's truly inspirational. So, Mindy, you were one of the people that helped plant the initial seed for FuturePod. Looking back at 100 episodes, how do you think it's grown? <laughs> well, Physically, for a start, and, you know, initially I don't think we had a a really strong idea of what this thing would be or, um, you know, even particularly what its purpose was, but hopefully we were responding to something that was a bit bit exciting and indeed um, interesting that we were able to say yes to and... Yeah, just starting so small, I remember, um, you know, we we could only interview people in Melbourne because we were relying on the recording studio in Carlton to do it. And, you know, it was only subsequent to that that we, you know, got the, well, Peter and Beck were very good at the technology and very good at teaching. So we got better at that. And it's it's grown from there and to a global conversation. So much more inclusive, much broader and that's been fascinating, I think, to um, include, you know, right right across the world to compare people's stories and how Fugis and Foresight 
is being applied in so many different uh, different situations. So it's been phenomenal growth. So Beck, you've been on this journey from the beginning. What tell us a bit about the story so far? Where have our guests come from, and who's been part of this conversation? So who we invited in at the very start of, I suppose, this experiment of the creation of the the podcast really were people who we were were physically close to. Um, We actually started recording in in a studio in Carlton, Melbourne. So to kick off the the series and and start with some of the founding areas within within Victoria, within Melbourne, we reached out to, to those who were physically and logistically workable for us to get into the studio and and made sense for them to join. We were lucky enough to get a couple of people who were passing through Melbourne as well. It's Richard Slaughter and and Richard Hames as well within that first first batch. So we had 12 interviews in that in that first batch and then over time we really started to think about how we can get more of an international bent into the series too. So I think our very first international guest was Jay Gary from the US. So that's where we were testing out the the recording and the, and the different ways that we could do that to maximize, I suppose, the amount of people, amount of guests we could we could get on in FuturePod too. And then from that time, we, we did really a mix of in, in person and, and also digitally online. And yet more and more as time passed, um, we had more and more interest in, I suppose, more and more interest in, in people beyond our physical lens and and remit. So we reached out more broadly and then lockdown happened. So the COVID-19 pandemic hit and that really switched us to connecting in with people, even if they were physically close, connecting in with them digitally. And we really sort of strengthened the tools that we were using and the way that we were actually capturing the the different interviews as well. So from a, a people perspective, we started off and we, we did this at different points in time where we brainstormed just people that were interested in, interesting for us as individuals who we knew were the founding members or really strong contributors to the, the field of futures and foresight. And it was one of those things that just we, we've never, ever had an empty list of people to draw from. And as we've had more and more conversations, more and more names have come up, more and more suggestions have come up from the people who we've interviewed as well, which has been like a lovely evolution or, or lovely trickle-on effect to, to find more people. And one of the key things when we very first started as well, and, and Peter was strong on this, was making sure as as people get older that we capture the the wisdom of of those who have that they're maybe not practicing as much anymore but just making sure that we we get some some insights recorded from them they no longer want to or can contribute so yeah there's a bit of a, a mix of wanting to make sure that we're we're capturing the long steady members who are part of whether it's the association of professional futurists the APF or other other contributors from an academic or a professional basis that we've we all knew, um, or at least some of us knew, and that's really broadened out over time. Um, and again, I think with the um, the contributions or the the joining of of new people, um, the welcoming of new people to the FutureBod team, I think naturally that will just expand the types of people that we bring into interview as well. So we all have a, a common thread in terms of it being strongly interested in, in futures and foresight. And we've all gone through academic teachings and learnings in that space, but we all also have specific subject matter expert and, and specific skill sets that we bring. And therefore, 
different networks, different interest points as well. So I think just naturally as um, Rihanna and Amanda um, start to interview more and more people, they'll be able to tap some some interesting people on the shoulder and, and, and contribute that to to the field and, and to the audience as well, which would be different from just Mendy, Peter and myself. So Peter, how has the conversation changed? What's delighted you? What's delighted me, Amanda, is we are now starting to get messages from people saying, I listened to a future pod conversation, I heard about futures and foresight, and I'm now studying it, or I'm now practicing it, or I'm now learning it. So that's that to me just is amazing. That's part of what you know, Mindy and Rebecca and I wanted to do, was we wanted to create something that actually inspired people to actually join us. I get really, really excited when I hear that People like Wendy Schultz and other educators are actually using FuturePod interviews to teach people how to do this, using the interviews and the conversations with the practitioners and asking students to use it as a resource for study purposes. And as Mendy said, we really hadn't thought of things we did, but to me the coronavirus series that we did, when you know, very early in the coronavirus we had futurists talking about what they thought was going on, what they thought it meant, what, what was possible, and... I mean, I don't know how significant that was, but it was at a time when people had no information, there was something happening and it just seemed to make perfect sense that we would start putting podcasts out there about this thing that was happening and what it might mean for us. I was particularly proud and particularly happy with, you know, the generosity of people who were just jumping in there. I mean, it really, only, you know, and the process was only months old and people were jumping in there with opinions and trying to put ideas out there, which I thought was fantastic. Peter, can I also ask you another question? And that is that when we first began, one of the important elements um, was that you and we wanted to honour those people who had built this field. And I wonder to what extent you feel um, FuturePod has been able to do that. I mean, in terms of what I was hoping for, Mendy, was to give people a chance to in their own words, explain you know, their own story and their own approach. And I think we've done it with, obviously, interviews with people like you know, Jim Data and, mm. and others. I am particularly proud of the memorial lecture that we did for Wendell Bell. Yeah. I actually think that was finding people who worked with the person. If we missed the opportunity to speak to the person while they're on the planet, mm. then I'm particularly proud delighted by the fact that we actually found a way to speak and you know with the cooperation of other guests we hope to continue that as well and expand that out into other people that we want to remember and not just remember but also let them inspire the next generation. Beck, I'm interested to know how FuturePod might evolve. Will we stick to the same format or will we experiment with other types of delivery? This definitely has been something that um, we have a team thought about um, over time and, and it's interesting, it's it's naturally evolved since we first started. So, of course, we started with our or what we call a standard interview where we, we have one-on-one conversations with founders in the field or emerging leaders, get to know them as an individual, how they've entered the field, tools, methods they use and, and something of interest that they're working on at the moment or something of interest um, that's in their world at the moment as well. 
But you would have seen through our introduction of our the COVID-19 series and also our future pod conversations, we've already started to think about how we can create different types of conversations and have different topics of of expertise or different topics um, for people to speak to and, and draw out their expertise and, and thinking for the the wider audience, really. So it, it's definitely something I think um, we, with Amanda and and Rihanna and we'll bring some different thinking into the mix of, of how we actually get more voices in different types of conversations. I know as a team, we, we've talked about maybe having a bit of a live audience at, at one point in time. And really, as, as a wider group, we're all very keen to make sure that we bring in the voices that are that are less heard, but of course, are equally as important as well. So rather than focus on people who are often out um, in more of the public public space, um, trying to get some some of the, the experience and wider variety of people in the mix as well. Beck, can you please outline for us the role that technology has played in seeing FuturePod develop over the last 100 interviews? Yeah, it's, it's definitely played a, a strong role. So as I mentioned in um, the previous question, we, we started out in a studio and a recording studio in in Carlton and in a Melbourne in in Australia and um, from that point in time we had to learn new technology to to learn how to record um, and edit podcasts so that was a bit of a learning curve I think for um, for all of us um, in the in the founding team from there we we set up the website and we've really seen that be a great resource over time so it's not just the hosting of the the actual audio files but really a whole lot of information additional resources for people to go in and, and find and dig deeper and get lost in in finding about new information and new things and we've we've received um, quite a bit of feedback in terms of people finding that as a, a useful add-on to the actual podcast series itself we started in terms of releasing the the podcast. We used, of course, social media, so um, our Instagram and Facebook accounts um, and also LinkedIn. In terms of our most active and, and where we've seen most members, it's it's within our um, Instagram account, actually. So we have about a 1,000 members at the minute. Facebook's been good in that we've been able to, or people who are listeners have been sharing our podcasts to to their family and friends or other other community groups that are on Facebook as well so so that's been good in that way LinkedIn has probably been a, a nice opportunity for us to to showcase and get visibility within the professional sphere so I know even just through my own personal network um, whenever I post something there's there's always someone who comes up to me in work and and mentions that that, that they've listened to um, a podcast or that they find it's interesting in terms of what is strategic foresight what is futures thinking so it just helps start conversations in that in that sphere as well and I think through LinkedIn we have been able to attract people who Again, may not have actually heard of Futures and Foresight, but are interested in stepping forward to, to learning more and 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 find the the podcast itself and, and the website itself as a great resource as a bit of an introduction to actually learn what it is, because it can be quite an interesting concept to try and describe um, to people. So hearing it from different individuals, different voices, different locations is a great way to, to be able to learn about the field, learn about the types of things and types of work that people are doing within the field as well. What else comes to mind from a technology sense are just all the different tools that we use to bring 
the podcast to life. So whether it's the audio streaming, audio capture that we're using now to record people in different locations and minimize the amount of voice disruption and stabilize the voices so that it's a good experience for listeners um, through to the editing software, through to the, the tools we use to create and, and publish the social media posts. So there's so many different logins that, that we use, different online tools that we use to actually create the podcast. So it is absolutely critical to the creation and also the evolution. So as we think about the, the other types of conversations or more conversations or experimenting about what we can do in the future, technology is just, of course, going to be critical in that. And Rebecca, we've also made one last noticeable technological change uh, after 100 episodes, and that's changing our theme music. Yeah, absolutely. I think time for a change, time for a, a refresh on, on that front. It's interesting. I think probably um, yourself, Mandy, and I, it's just probably we're completely used to it now, but I feel in terms of it's a nice sort of symbolic change as we bring in new team members as well to have a bit of a, a think about the starting lyric and yeah, and, and seeing what we can introduce there to, to be fit with our brand, fit with our, our new flavour that we are bringing in some some new voices into the mix as well. This has been another production from FuturePod. FuturePod is a not-for-profit venture. We exist through the generosity of our supporters. If you would like to support FuturePod, visit the Patreon link on our website. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. This is Amanda Reeves saying goodbye for now. This is Mendy Yuri saying goodbye for now. This is Rihanna Brown saying goodbye for now. This is Peter Hayward saying goodbye for now. This is Rebecca Mayett saying goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.